0: welcome to raising okc kids conversations with metro family in oklahoma city i'm Erin page and today i've got two of my favorite and your favorite podcast guests joining us to talk about the upcoming school year welcome danielle and andre dowdy thanks so much for being here guys for having us a lot you two came on the podcast in january to talk about the second semester of pandemic school and it was one of our most popular podcasts of the year We wanted to get together again today to hash out what the 2021-22 school year is going to look like. I know you guys are familiar to most of our listeners, but for those who have not had the opportunity to listen to your previous podcast or read about your family in the magazine, I want to share a bit about you before we get started. Mm -hmm. Danielle is a second grade teacher in Edmond Public Schools with a master's degree in early childhood education from UCO. Andre has been in the education industry for 20 years, teaching at the elementary and middle school levels, as well as serving as an adjunct professor and now working as a consultant and keynote speaker for educators around the country. They have two kids and they recently launched their own podcast called See What Had Happened that shares stories from their experiences in the education industry. And we'll talk more about that coming up. So to get us started today, Perhaps the biggest question on parents' minds as it relates to our kids going back to school is logistically what back to school is even going to look like this year. We know schools can no longer mandate masks. Um, What what are you guys hearing from your school district and others around the Metro about protocols around social distancing, masking, quarantining, all those logistical elements that were new to us last year?
1: i have heard I haven't heard anything actually, I am transitioning um, out of the classroom, but from the knowledge that I have now is that um, everything is five days a week, of course, um, masks are optional uh, my My colleagues um, have expressed that you know they're going to do all that they can to uh, keep the students safe in the classroom as far as uh, distancing and sanitizing and all those things so some of the same practices that were in place last year uh, my colleagues are still going to do the same
2: yeah that's exactly um, piggyback off what Danielle said there Uh, a lot of the practices that were inherited to us during the pandemic are now here to stay (laughs) the wash your hands all the time oh that's here to stay now Mm -hmm. Uh, the don't put your hands and touch everything oh that's here to stay the wiping down of things after usage now, like after reading a book, if the book has like a plastic covering or a coating on it, wiping down books afterwards, uh, those things are really here to stay. And uh, even masks, uh, I know that they are optional, but there are a lot of teachers that say, we're just gonna continue wearing them until we feel comfortable and safe. And then they're also going to encourage the students to do that. Uh, and given the students that voice and choice, to wear a mask or to not wear a mask, uh, and I thought that that was really cool. That's you know empowering the student to understand that they have a an an, an answer to this. If they choose to feel safe enough to uh, not wear a mask, they don't have to. Or if they are not unsure and they want to wear a mask, I love that a lot of our teachers are giving those students that agency as well. So uh, a lot of a lot of the teachers are just kind of doing that. Like okay, we're going to still pretend like we're in a pandemic, Uh, and we're gonna still kind of make sure that every student is safe, even though we're gonna go back to school five days a week.
0: Yeah, we just have had that conversation at my house with my three kiddos who aren't old enough to get vaccinated yet, and we talked through that with them. with my end goal being I want them to wear masks to school until they can be vaccinated for sure, but giving them the opportunity to talk through that um, and to to say that they would feel safer with a mask on no matter what everybody else is doing, um, that, that felt really good to my mama heart to know that we could have that conversation and, and they could have that agency, like you said, to know how they feel most comfortable protecting themselves.
2: Yeah, I had one parent say, Uh, during the whole group at the, you know, beginning of the school year, when you're at your own personal desk and everybody else is at their own personal desk, perhaps you don't have to wear a mask. But when you are in those centers and in those stations and in those turn and talks, mask up. And so I love how, our once again, some of these things that have been inherited to us now where we're now normalizing them. And, And I'm okay with that. I am. I really am.
0: Yeah, and I love the discussion in the classroom, too, um, like you're talking about, and that's good for parents like me to, to think about and consider that, um, you know, obviously we have responsibility as parents to keep our kids safe, but the classroom teachers are going to be doing everything they can to, to keep our kids safe. And year. that
2: even goes beyond, like, uh, who was the person we were talking to, and they were talking about how we now need to normalize not always shaking hands. I can't remember no, I don't that. Really remember.
1: Yeah, it's probably
2: me. <laughs> <laughs> but just the fact of now, the personal touches, or uh, you know, like it's okay to do an air high five now, mm-hmm. or an air fist bump, or an elbow. Normalizing the elbow bump, like I thought that, that was really cool. Uh, where you don't no longer just have to touch people. There are some people who don't want to be touched anyway, so they're at home. Uh, I-, I like that. I re- mm-hmm. I really do.
0: I like that for kids too. giving kids that that choice about how they want to interact with other people. That's a really great Mm -hmm. lesson to to start with them from the time that they're tiny. Yes. So when we're thinking about the classroom teacher perspective, Danielle, with your colleagues who will be in the classroom this year, I know Last year was crazy with the workload you had. You were teaching in the classroom, you were preparing virtual lessons. It was really twice the work for a classroom teacher. Do you think that will remain the same this year or do you think that's gonna change a little bit? I
1: think the load, if you will, will be lightened um, because I think teachers are going to be more focused on how to get those uh, students transition back into a full-time classroom environment and so teachers don't have the time to sit and plan virtual lessons so there's a, another department for that so if you want to be virtual that department will handle that virtual teaching but those students who are in person um those teachers are going to be spending their time loving on those babies helping them to transition back into the classroom and actually teaching yeah those kids so i, I think the burden will be lifted,
0: <laughs> way more than it was last year. That's really good news um, for all of the teachers out there. Okay, this might be the most important question of the day. What is the number one thing parents can do to support their kids' teachers this year?
2: Hmm. Patience. I, I would yeah. probably say the patience um, for whatever reason, and I, I do get it, but for whatever reason there's been some national outcry of our students are behind Mm -hmm. and my thinking is behind what they're like we got to catch them up. catch them up to whom uh because the entire world (laughs) was in a pandemic so how are we going to catch up when everybody was affected you know Uh, and so my my hope is that the the parents don't go into this school year saying that the teachers are going to try to raise their students academic level by two grades that's my hope Um, yes your baby was in the first grade but now that your baby's in the second grade we don't want your baby trying to be in the third grade in the first two months of school like it's it's okay to have some patience and allow your students to develop academically according to their age and their grade level Mm -hmm. Um, there's something against Pushing our students too hard, too fast, and then not being developmentally appropriate. So that's my hope to us parents, um, and I'm talking us, me, this guy right here too, that beautiful woman right there, because we have a daughter who's going to 10th grade, and the same thing. Yes, you are a 10th grader, but I'm not expecting you to be on 11th grade rigor by September. Mm-hmm. You know, let's just develop this thing and and go from there.
1: And if that's you exercise that patience, I mean, that, that's patience all the way around. You, mm-hmm. you need to be patient with your child, patient with the teacher, patient with yourself. Yes. Yeah. So I think that might be the the, the key word. That's a key word for yes. the day. patience.
2: Patience, patience folks!
0: It's going to be so important. Um, and Andre, what you just said about our kids being behind and catching kids up, that whole mentality. Um, Danielle talked about that a lot in our January podcast. And I cannot tell you how much I have thought back to that, how much comfort that has brought me as a mom, as I was sitting at home doing virtual school with my kids over the spring semester. But this idea that kids are behind, you really reassured us that All educators are always in the business of taking kids from where they are to where they need to be, and that we all just need to let that worry go and instead focus on supporting our kids and their teachers wherever they are. So how can we work with our kids' teachers this year to really create the best support system for our kids And how do we appropriately and effectively address any of those concerns we have about our kids' academic progress?
2: Just like how we we have two kids, and we could parent both kids the exact same. And it could work. But us knowing our two kids, they have two different leadership personalities. They both learn very different. So what we can do for one, we know we can't do for the other. So as a parent, uh, please don't expect your your teacher to do the same thing they did with child one, now that child two is there. Mm -hmm. Um, Allow that grace, that space for those teachers to first have a relationship and get to know the (laughs) the kids uh, and the students. And then from there, trust them enough to make the right decisions to help them on their path, whichever it may be. Um, And I think that's where the patience and the faith really just has to come in for this upcoming year. Mm -hmm. And the same thing with uh, principals. Principals, you know that your teachers have been stressed to the max and have been having anxiety attacks these last two years. And so now that they're coming back to your school in person, just just back off just a little. Let them get reacclimated to what it actually looks like to be in class and don't expect it to be normal like 2018 or 2019 before the pandemic. Mm -hmm. Yeah.
1: Yes. I I agree. Building relations, relationships Mm -hmm. is key. Um, That it doesn't matter if it's with a a child or your admin, if you're not getting to know who that child really is as a teacher, you're doing yourself a disservice and a child a disservice. Um, parents get to know the teacher teachers introduce yourselves to the parents and I mean really be transparent mm-hmm. and forging that relationship is going to be key to yeah. anything yeah. You, you can't do anything unless you have a relationship nobody's going to perform for you unless you know that person that that child is not going to do give their best if you don't get to know him or her yeah
2: I had one principal say that this upcoming fall is that uh, there was a high school principal said that the juniors at that high school had not really set foot on campus Mm. because the last two years pandemic and so now they're coming on campus and meeting a lot of these teachers for the very first time and getting to know the school and the campus for the very first time um and so the entire staff had to rethink what does school look like for that first semester Because normally it's the freshmen, you know, the freshmen, this is A hall, this is F hall, here's where all the electives are, but like you're doing that for almost three classes and just having that space and that grace for the parents, for the teachers, for the administrators to say, slow down a little bit, Mm -hmm. let's get to know these students, let's get to know how we can best serve them, best teach them, what are their strengths, what are their weaknesses, all those things.
0: Mm I'm so glad you guys talked about that. Um, I think you're so you're so right. That's so important that especially as parents, we just need to take a breath mm-hmm. and we need to give our kids and their teachers the time and the space to develop those relationships before we rush in and say, but my kids on this reading level and they should be on this reading level. Just we know. Yeah. You,
2: know.
0: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you see the data. Yeah. <laughs> you don't need us to tell you. <laughs> But yeah, once we develop those relationships, you know, Danielle, you said something um, in our last podcast about, you know, until kids feel safe and secure, until their basic needs are met, we can't expect them to do any learning. And I think that applies to some extent here as well. Until kids feel safe in that new classroom environment, until they've transitioned back to what it feels like to be in the classroom again, um, we don't need to worry about those reading levels just yet.
2: Yeah. And kids are so resilient. Yes. They 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 adjust much better than us adults. And so just give them give them some time to get reacclimated. They'll they'll fit right back in that saddle. They'll go back to doing some of the things prior to the pandemic. So just give them that space.
0: You guys are always so reassuring. Um, one of the other things we've talked a lot about is social emotional learning and the benefit of incorporating that into kids everyday curriculum. We obviously saw that happening a lot more during the pandemic, but you both talked about the necessity of that moving forward, both as just a good practice and as kids continue to deal with the mental health-related challenges of the pandemic, even long after the pandemic itself is over in some cases, they may still be dealing with those challenges. Mm So what can we be doing at home with our kids to assess their social and emotional health and mental well-being, especially as they're transitioning back into school?
1: Ask your child, ask him or her about their feelings. How are you feeling today? What happened today? You know, give them time to express because it's a, a lot of times we don't give children time to express or emote. Mm-hmm. We just... Oh, they, you don't even ask them about their day. Right. So they don't know how, if you want, we talk about um, during the pandemic, uh, students lost social skills. Well, you're first, <laughs> you're at home. Yeah. Talk to your child. Let that child speak. Give them that opportunity and let them know it is okay to express yourself. Mm-hmm. It is okay to feel how you're feeling and you can help them through that.
2: Mm-hmm. I'm thinking, imagine the student coming home and that student's been alone for his her they the entire year. Now they are that person's in the classroom with 30 other people and that anxiety hits.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: And then that kid goes home and you ask the kid, how are you feeling today? Like give give some proper wait time <laughs> so yes. that kid can emote. Yes. It might be a vent. Let, just sit in it for a minute and allow that student. To share his, her, or they all of the feelings, because there are going to be some students who will have that anxiety, and so let them speak. Let them speak their truth, whatever that truth may be. Give them that. Give them that agency where you're there and you're saying, "I'm listening to you, and I'm not here to reply, but I'm just listening to you to understand because you are going back to the school that may have some concerns and some issues that you weren't aware of. So just listen to them. I agree with you.
0: Yeah. That's so good. And so I have one child who gets in the car and immediately tells me every single last thing about her day, how she's feeling, what happened, who did this, who got in trouble, all the things. And then my other two, they take hours (laughs) to process. They need that quiet time. And then it's usually like bedtime when I finally get an answer about how their day was or how they're feeling. And, and sometimes I forget to go back to those two and ask those questions when, when they have had a chance to process. So that's a really good reminder for me as a mom that I need to consider how my kids process their feelings and make sure that when they're ready, I'm giving them that chance to to talk through it.
2: Yeah, use sentence starters, like something Danielle and I do all the time. Um, The first thing I'll ask her when she woke. Once she walks, gets inside of the house, I give her some time to decompress first. Then I say, give me one good thing about your day. And it doesn't always have to be academically. It could have been, you know what? I got a really good email from a parent, whatever it may be, but just give me one good thing about your day. Uh, and then on the reverse of that, give me one thing that you wish that you could change. So that's a small way of saying, how was your day? And what was, what was the things that were terrible about your day? You know, we were just reframing it. Um, to invoke that conversation.
0: Mm-hmm. I love that. I'm, sa- I'm saving that for use at my house, for sure.
2: It really works, because we start conversing, and uh, next thing you know, it's really good conversation. One good thing about your day. Now, I'm excited, because she's giving me something really good about her day, and now we reverse, and I tell her something that was really good about my day. Now, we're both in a happy place
0: yeah that's so good and it's good for kids to give them something really specific um, to answer so i love that
1: who did you play with today did you make a friend you know
0: just things that we consider little that's big to a child Mm -hmm. yeah absolutely um you guys are you're showing off one of the things that i most appreciate about the two of you is that you can always find silver linings in any situation and then you bring the rest of us along to see and understand those with you. What do you guys think we learned collectively as a community over the last school year that will make us better as we move into this school year? Hmm. I think we learned that
1: we all need to work together. It is not oh, just good. one person's job. Everybody's, everybody who is there, every stakeholder, has has a job to do in the life of that student.
2: Mm-hmm. So, I, I love that answer. Mm, I think I'm going to change my answer to her answer. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say that uh, the only thing that is constant is change. And we just got to be able to be prepared and ready for whatever change may or may not happen.
0: One of the positive things that came out of this pandemic for your family is the podcast that you guys launched called See What Had Happened, where you share stories from your experiences in education, the good, the bad, and everything in between. Plus you guys also interview others in the education space. Tell us what inspired you to launch the podcast and what kinds of content parents will want to tune in for.
2: Yeah, the launch came because, uh, our conversations, give me something good about your day. And then Danielle would share a funny story uh, about a student or about a situation or about whatever. And we are in tears laughing at that conversation. And I'm like, I know we can't be the only teachers who have experienced XYZ or ABC. Uh, And so I started looking online to see if there were other teachers who had these inspirational stories or sad stories or kind of like the chicken soup for the soul type of teacher stories. There weren't any. And so I remember reaching out on social media to friends. Hey, you've got funny stories or you've got inspirational stories. Who's going to want to share them with us? And then that's kind of how it started. Uh, And the very first episodes, we share some of our stories. But just like what you said, it's not just about us. We want to give everybody some shine and give everybody an opportunity on the platform to share their stories. And uh, that's kind of how it started. And we love season one so far.
0: That's great. So, where can people go to tune in or to watch past episodes? Oh, I'm gonna let you do that.
2: Okay, I was gonna say because we used oh. to have that script down. Oh. <laughs> that script was, a little, yeah.
0: Uh, anywhere that you
2: you listen to your podcast, we're there. Um, if you want to actually watch it and view it with us, uh, that is on our YouTube channel as well. So you just look up Andre Dowdy, or you type in C, comma what had happened podcast. Uh, We are right there. Uh, The funniest story that we that we had so far, in my opinion, was the time the teacher stole the lunch from the pregnant woman. (laughs) (laughs) He had us in tears. (laughs) Oh, he had us in tears. Yes, go back and watch that. Yeah, that is such a good episode. (laughs) uh, Where I mean, he was just munching on it, and he was like, "How dare someone steal the pregnant woman's lunch?" while
1: he, you know, he's
2: eating. Hey, it too much. Have, the people have to go watch. Yes, go watch that episode. That episode had us laughing. Uh, but those are just the stories in and around education. So,
0: yeah. I love it. Yeah, especially, we all need some more laughter right now. There's a lot of heaviness, and so I'm going to watch that tonight. Um, anything coming up on the podcast? Sneak peek, anything you can tell us about that we should um, stay tuned for?
2: Yeah, we've got... Um, just a plethora of of special guests. Once again, these are educators, these are parents, these are people who are in and around education just sharing their stories. Uh, a lot of them are inspirational. Uh, one in particular is heartbreaking and uh, broke our hearts, but it was such a meaningful and powerful story of perseverance and family. Uh, that, that one was probably the most inspirational one, would you say, of the season? Mm-hmm.
1: At the heartstrings.
2: Yeah, definitely. Thug tears. I mean, you you tried to hold like get back in there, too you know. Uh, but it, it was such a great story. Um, and so that's coming on later on as well.
0: Yeah. Awesome. We can't wait to watch. Thank you guys so much for coming on the podcast today. Thank you for all the ways that you guys support students, you support teachers in Oklahoma City, outside Oklahoma City. And as always, you always have such great advice for parents. I know I selfishly am always glad to hear whatever you guys have to say. Um, Great advice that I've been able to implement in my household, and I know other parents feel the same.
2: Thanks for having us. We truly appreciate it.
0: Thanks, everyone, for watching. Join us next time on Raising OKC Kids.